Before we talk to Neil Vercel about his love of you too and Washington U and the COVID virus, let's hear Julie Berry again do the opening to Missouri Music Podcast. Take it away, Julie Ballou. Because there was something in the water in Springfield, Missouri. Hey, don't forget me. I'm Brenda Lee, and we're all going to have fun tonight on Ozark Jubilee. the Missouri Music Podcast, hosted by music fan and the founder of Slewfoot Records, Mr. Dale Wiley. Is Neil Vercel on the line? This is. All right. Well, so I'm sorry that that didn't work, but now we got a second chance, so I know this will work. So anyway, before we get into I'm having trouble hearing you. How are you now? Okay, let's see here. Is this better? That is better, yeah. Okay. So tell me how you developed your love for U2. How did I develop a love for U2? Yes. Um, you know what? It was almost love at first sight. Uh, <laughs> 1980, I don't know when, Um I was in high school, so it would have been after it would have been after '84. Right. I vaguely remember seeing. I vaguely remember it being some kind of science fair, and I'm not sure why it was. A, this was playing at a science fair, but one of the displays had a TV set up uh, with a VCR back in the day, uh, yeah. playing um, U2's "Live at Red Rocks." Okay. And it's like, wow, this was amazing. <laughs> and well, it's so interesting because you've seen them so many times. How many times have you seen them? Uh, let me think. I would say 31, 30 or 31. Okay. That's a good number, definitely. Uh, there's got to be a few bands you've seen a bunch of times, but probably oh, most local so bands. I have a lot of bands that I've seen a bunch of times. But you have, you've learned a lot of stuff and traveled around the world to see you too. Uh well some a couple of times yeah one time I just sort of fell into it. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean? That means I was sent to Prague for a conference, and really? the day that the conference ended, uh, or the day after the conference ended, they were happened to be playing in Paris, and I was able to find a flight for like seventy five bucks because when wow. will I ever be able to fly to Paris for seventy five bucks? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah. Uh, and so, before we get into, again, the coronavirus, let's talk about just the student life experience and everything we did in those years of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was yeah. that like? Oh, uh, boy. Um, well, like you, I was probably, now I think I'm I am two years older than you. I think so, yes. Yeah. Now, like you, I was a green little freshman saw the, right. <laughs> the college paper and it's like okay let's let's do that um sure let's do that so i 
got in touch. I think they were looking for, you know, they were looking for writers anyways. Um, sure. They got oh, me in. <laughs> they were looking. They're always looking. I mean, they were always looking. They probably still are. And right. keeping writers and, well, finding good writers is one thing, and then keeping good writers is is, <laughs> is another one altogether. Yeah. I think I covered both news and sports for for yeah. two different editors uh, at v- my freshman year. Decided that, okay, this was good, and, you know, became a section editor like you did right after that. And even though I was off the staff my senior year because I was – I didn't get the job I wanted my senior year, and <laughs> I didn't really want to take on the role that they wanted to give me, I walked away and did a couple of internships. It was still, you know, it was still some of my best memories from my years exactly. there. Good stuff all the time, you know, very interesting life experience. And we we met so many people, so many cool people. Yeah. And watching them, you know, tell their stories is so cool. I just love it. Yeah, and there have been two reunions that I'm aware of, two all, sort of all-year student life right. reunions, all-class student yeah. life reunions. I don't think you were at either one. No, I don't think um, it was. And the most recent one was, I think, just two years ago, and they were both fantastic. The first time was um, the 125th anniversary of student life, which tells you how long it's been around. Wow. Um, so I think they're at 100, and the last one was 140 years. Okay. Um, and the 125th also coincided with the university's 150th anniversary. So uh-huh. we were on campus for the weekend of the 150th anniversary celebration, which was really great. Well, that's great. Yeah. And you know, I hadn't seen many of these people in 10, 12, 15 years, sure. and we picked up and started, you know, just like no time had passed at all. Definitely. And, and so anyway, I just thought that we ought to mention that stuff, but I also then want to talk to you about what is being done with the coronavirus vaccine or whatever you want to talk about, about that virus. Okay. Well, I'll preface this by saying that I am not a virology expert. I'm not really a scientist of any kind. I just happened to write about uh, informatics in in healthcare as it applies, well, lately in the last three years as it applies to genomics. So informatics is the, the science of data. Uh-huh. Essentially, um, so I haven't been personally following a lot of the testing, but I've been following some of the issues around the testing. And one thing actually that I picked up recently is that um, they're moving from these so-called uh, PCR tests, which you may have heard that sure. uh, you, you may have heard that term thrown around, and that means uh, what does it mean? It's 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 a a poly something chain reaction it's a kind of it's a kind of it's it's how the test is run it's the type of machine that it runs on all that tells you is yes or no do you have this virus or not right there are some newer tests being developed that uh, actually sequence a genome or you know a, a portion of the genome of the person and of the virus well the the virus genome has been sequenced a number of times and those are widely available for for researchers in public databases and one thing about the um current coronavirus known as SARS-CoV-2 um uh, okay. to distinguish it from the SARS-CoV-1 that caused 
the disease known as SARS back in was it 2003 2004 yes, that didn't really affect the US very much right. fortunately it was mostly China and of course there was a big outbreak in Canada yes uh, mostly centered around Toronto but it didn't become the pandemic that we have today even though yes. it was deadlier than than COVID-19 uh it didn't seem to be as um, contagious, uh, and it was handled well. And believe it or not, the reason why there uh, have been these theories about hydroxychloroquine working for it is because it seemed to have done done a decent job controlling the original SARS virus. But this virus that causes COVID-19 is different, and the studies have been inconclusive at best for hydroxychloroquine and of course the side effects are are you know have been well publicized so i don't want to get into the politics of uh, uh, around that uh, although i was just told by a friend in kansas that somebody running for local office there or for congress in in kansas is uh stated in a commercial that he's he and his family are now taking it <laughs> he didn't say that he didn't say – I don't believe he said that he had the disease or not, but he's taking it uh, right. as a preventative measure for – so, <laughs> you know, whatever you want to – you know, draw your own conclusions from that. Definitely. So um, – but the, the sequencing of patients who might have it, uh, you know, might be able to tell you a little bit more about how the uh, virus binds to the – you know, to, to – within the body and it's already known uh it's called a um, ace2 receptor the, these are the receptors in the body it's basically an enzyme uh and wherever those receptors are present which includes the lungs the respiratory tract and uh you know a few other places including believe it or not the testicles it's it's been shown <laughs> has really? those. uh yes uh the disease can cause damage um of course it's a disease that we ba barely know anything about Right at this point, and you know maybe the sequencing, the sequencing of the genome can help uh, predict the progression of the disease, and maybe lead to some treatments or the repurposing of current drugs, uh, which of course would be a big savings, you know, in right. terms of sure. uh, in terms of time and money for R and D if we can yeah. find a, another drug. Which is why you know some people were um, gung ho about hydroxychloroquine because. Maybe it works, but the side effects probably aren't. You know, the side effects are probably too severe to try it in all but the right. mo most severe cases. And you know, honestly, if you have a severe case of COVID-19, um, then you probably do have nothing to lose. Right. But sure. if you're doing, but if you just have some minor symptoms, it's probably not the best thing for you. And actually, I got tested about a week and a half ago. Okay. Uh, I got tested a week and a half ago. I had a, a cold that just didn't go away, and okay. some of the symptoms were set, were uh, similar to what they're saying are the symptoms of COVID-19. And by the way, okay. the common cold is caused by a different type of coronavirus. I think uh, there are three types of coronavirus, three or four, that are linked to the common cold, yet we don't have a a treatment or a vaccine for the common cold, but, you know, it's not Sure. It's rarely de it's rarely deadly. I just felt kind of kind of nasty for about a week, and finally right. decided to go get tested, and I was negative. Although Good. it was the I believe it was yeah thank you uh, I believe it was the Abbott test that 
the rapid Abbott test that has been shown to show a lot of false negatives. So I called the clinic back once I heard that, and they said <laughs> that I do not, based on the symptoms that I had, uh, that I did not did not have to come back for a retest. So and, and I do feel better now. So definitely, uh, yeah. So. But there's a lot of anxiety around that, and I have had more than a few sleepless nights over the last two months just with things on my mind, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Uh, right. I know that I'm not alone because other people have told me they've had a lot of stress. I'm lucky in that I'm able to still work. Um, I've been working at home all along. I normally work from home. So the daily routine hasn't changed too much other than I can't you know, take my laptop down to the um, you know, the bar around the corner that has a, sure. a great a, a great lunch special and right. good Wi-Fi um, that I used to do about once a week, um, or yeah. just head head down to Starbucks for a little afternoon pick me up or whatever. Just, <laughs> so other than being stuck at home more, right? The, the workflow hasn't changed. Unfortunately, of course, lots of people are out of work or yeah. working a lot less or have lost benefits or. Uh, are being made to work or being asked to work um, in high-risk jobs. So, you know, I, I feel for those people, and I feel lucky that, that I don't have to, uh, you know, be face-to-face with the public. All Definitely. The yeah. Now, as far as the vaccine goes, I mean, there was some news this week that, you know, there was a trial that showed very early promise, but I believe there are only 40 subjects or so in that, in that trial. Yeah, an extremely small number. Yeah, it's an extremely small number. It did cause the stock market to rally uh, quite a bit, <laughs> like 900 points in one day, um, <laughs> driven mostly by the, the drug company, on the name That's of the company right. that, that did it, um, that did it uh, escapes me right now. But, um, yeah, any bit of promise, I think, is is welcome news to people. Um, Definitely. Although maybe not, maybe it's cold comfort for people who have already lost a loved one or right, sure. had to suffer for and for, from COVID nineteen and survived, and you know may still not be back to normal because we don't know much about the long term effects, the long term lasting right. effects. Sure. Of the disease, there may be. Um, you know, long-term respiratory damage, right? among other things. I know that, you know, for example, I have not been able to visit my mother. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because, I mean, she does live in another state, but she has, she's over, well, I'm not going to say what age, but she's in the high-risk <laughs> group, and she yeah. has a history, and she has a history of pneumonia, so that puts her in an even higher risk right. group. So uh, she has not allowed anybody in her home in, something like two months well i hate yeah. to hear that for you because that's awful yeah well i mean uh, at least we're able to you know at least she's, she's still around and we talk and sure but it's it's a hard time for everybody and we would all love to we would all love to be able to get back to normal and some Definitely. some areas are you know, trying to get back to normal. We don't know yet if there are going to be new outbreaks. We know that a lot of things that are considered normal, I don't want to use the cliche, the new normal, right. <laughs> uh, really, but we're going to have to adjust to something, and this could just be, this could be temporary, but it could be long-term temporary, because previous right. 
pandemics have not been over in a season. They've lasted a couple of years. And sure. there's there have been a number of predictions out there saying that we could get a break this summer uh, if it's true that's and it's still there's been some evidence, but I would probably say inconclusive that heat and humidity kill the virus or at least do a better job of lessening the virus. Right. It doesn't mean that we're all going to be able to go out. To, there aren't going to be any outdoor festivals this summer really sure. anywhere, I don't right. think. Um, you know, stadiums are going to be empty, even outdoor stadiums. Even U2 uh, is not going to play. Nobody's going to be playing. Nobody's <laughs> going to be playing. And I was uh, – I actually am close enough. I'm in Chicago, as you know, and I'm close enough to Wrigley Field where if I go up to my roof, I can hear the concerts pretty much perfectly. Right. Yeah. Um, the one this year that was – I guess the big one this year was going to be Guns N' Roses. Okay. Uh, they are – um, as far as I know, every every tour, certainly every indoor act, every indoor show has been canceled sure. or postponed or put off at least until late fall or next year. Um, outdoor stadiums, maybe. Uh, you know, I haven't heard anything yet, but as you've, you've seen, there are sports starting to take place in empty yeah. arenas. Right. I know you're a baseball fan. Have you been watching Korean baseball at, at uh, six in the morning, five in the morning? So yeah. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah, so have I. Uh, you know, you, when you don't have it, you miss it. Exactly. When you can't do it, that's all you need to want to do it. No doubt. What hap- yeah, but what happens if Major League Baseball comes back, starts playing in empty stadiums, maybe starts playing just the clusters teams around – Right, a couple of geographic areas, say in Arizona or Florida, you keep those players and their families and all the team personnel in almost their own little bubble. Keep them in a hotel for four months, testing them two or three times a week, or do you let them go home? Do you let them get on? A, even if the games are, are regional, do you let people get on a plane? Right. All together, and what happens if one person? tests positive do you then yeah, have to quarantine the entire not just team but traveling party it's really it's really mind-bending how different it is and it's yeah. going to be yeah and if we do get a vaccine that works how effective will it be i mean we know that the flu vaccine every year is hit or miss is it right Two seasons ago, I think it only had a 30 to 40 percent efficacy. But the flu mutates a lot more rapidly than this coronavirus seems to be doing. But which still, makes even it, this coronavirus seems to be mutating some, right? It, it, it seems to be mutating some, and I've heard conflicting evidence about that, um, about how much it's mutated that there is a different strain in the U.S. that uh, then perhaps had uh, you know been first seen in in China last toward the end of last year. Right. Uh, but I don't think it's so much different where a vaccine for one wouldn't at least have some effect on sure. on the other. But again, nobody yeah. knows. And the other thing, if there is an effective vaccine. 
there's seven and a half billion people on this planet. How many of them do you have to vaccinate for there to be herd immunity <laughs> enough herd immunity for the virus to just disappear? Right. I don't know. And how do you, even if it's, you say, one billion people, how do you produce a hundred, a billion vaccines and then get them out to um, healthcare workers all over the globe? No doubt. And then administer them. And, of course, there are going to be some people who push back against it. Oh, yeah, definitely. We know that. Yeah. And um, is there going to have to be a different formulation in different regions of the world? I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's really it's, a strange time. Yeah. You know, and, of course, I think we now can claim the fact that probably the St. Louis Flyers for two years without one. I think that's true. No, I think that's absolutely <laughs> true. Um because it's going to be it's probably going to be seasonal, but if you remember when we were first when these stay at home orders first started and when things started shutting down was early to mid March. Right. That was right about the time that we started hearing some famous names coming down with it or being tested right, positive, sure. One, you know, including Tom Hanks and, and Rita right. Wilson. Well, they got it in Australia, right? which, of course, is Southern Hemisphere, which means they were just moving into winter. Right. We were just moving – or they were just moving into fall, I mean. We were just moving into – we were moving into spring. Right. You would think that by the end of the summer – the heat and the humidity, and they had record heat in Australia, if you remember the wildfires back in right, January, sure. possibly would have would have killed the virus or helped tame the virus somewhat. So right. that raises another question there about whether it really will do the trick. Yeah. I mean, Florida seems to have fewer cases than than some other densely populated states, but we also know that uh, there have been some some perhaps uh, fudging of the numbers, given the controversy <laughs> this week about the firing of a, of a top public health official there. Right. And we don't know if the uh, – we don't know what rate testing has been done. You know, here in Illinois, we have, I believe, the third number – the second highest – second or third highest number of cases in the country. I believe it's third highest. Right. By state, we have we're number five in population, so certainly we're above where our, our share should be. But we're far behind the the top four in terms of population. Um, I think Illinois has 12 or 13 million people. California has almost 40 million people. So, right. Sure. And California has fewer cases. So is it because California has done a better job controlling the virus? Is it because Illinois is testing more? And our testing rate has tripled since the beginning of April. Uh, is it because there are just a lot of people densely packed into into cities in in particularly in the Chicago area here i mean you would think that might happen in los angeles but it's not happening as much definitely so there are just so many unknowns here uh, of course there's a lot of misinformation being spread um, definitely there's a lot of a lot of false hope there's a lot of uh, political posturing and political manipulation of numbers, um, and I would say that's happening um, on both sides. 
to, sure. to an extent. Right. So who do you believe? Um, you know, how much risk are you willing to tolerate as, as a person? I tend to have – I live in a densely populated neighborhood. It's very stressful to go to the grocery store. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, things like that, little – about just little, little mundane aspects of life. Right. But it's awesome to get outside and just go for a walk or go for a run yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, would you – Go to the beach this summer. Would you get on a plane? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things like that. And I keep hearing that airline, you know, the air on airplanes is cleaner than it's it's ever been because of of the rate of of, of cycling of the air and and the filters that they have on the planes. But going uh-huh. to the airports, uh, maybe where the where the risk is. Sure. And um, you know, there's a lot of pushback about wearing masks too especially indoors. Right. Um, so America is not going to accept a mandate to wear a mask everywhere, and it's not culturally acceptable to wear a mask everywhere sure. like it is in some Asian countries where right. they seem to have been d- doing a better job controlling the virus, like you know, South Korea is playing baseball, so is Taiwan, right. <laughs> because they, they were able to get things under control enough where they're comfortable doing a few things that slightly normal <laughs> that, that almost feel, that almost normal, feel normal. That almost normal. feel normal but yeah this is definitely not going to be done by the end of this year i wouldn't anticipate i i wouldn't anticipate being in a being at a concert or a ball game or a festival or even at a packed restaurant for quite a while. I couldn't say exactly when, but... Yeah. yeah. It's definitely wild times. Definitely different than back at Washington, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you know, we had that beautiful <laughs> campus, too. We could just go... Um, exactly. Walk across. A lot of social distancing. Be a lot okay. of social distancing. <laughs> uh, lots of green space. Um So, any any other questions? Well, no, that's all I've got. Okay. So, how are we going to spend this weekend? What are you going to do this weekend? Well, this weekend, I'm watching the weather forecast very carefully. That's one thing that has not changed. Right. <laughs> um, I would really, really, really like to get on my bike because I did it for the first time last weekend, and it felt amazing. I right. drove about 40 miles outside the city and found a semi-rural course with not a lot of traffic, and it was fantastic with a, well, a friend at, at a good social distance. Um, I would love to be able to do that, but we're looking at possibly thunderstorms all weekend, including oh. Memorial Day. Oh, boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm glad to get to catch up with you and get yeah, to hear your, your best opinions of the virus. And, and a lot of it was a guess. A lot of it was a guess, but I think a lot of the experts are guessing, too. <laughs> we'll take a guess. We'll totally yeah. take a guess. Okay. So anyway, thank you so much, Neil, and we'll talk to you later. And now let's spend a couple more minutes with our friend Julia Savage and her continuing and amazing Choose Hope Project. 
Let's hear from her now on DaleWileyShow.com. Hello, my friend. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, I'm very excited to hear you always have something new and wonderful going on. Yeah. And so tell me about the next couple of people. So today I have one person that I wanted to highlight. Okay. And um, this person is actually my grandfather. Okay. Um, he is my dad's dad. His name is Neil Savage. Okay. And um, the reason I wanted to highlight him is because um, he's um, he was in the Navy during the Vietnam War. Okay. He has a PhD in biological oceanography. Wow. And he's a survivor of stage two colon cancer. Wow. So I just wanted to highlight those three parts of his life that I thought Definitely. would be inspiring to other people. So, yes. um, so he was in um, the Na the U.S. Naval Reserve from 1966 to 1969, and okay. he served um, in an ammunition ship called USS Mount Katmai as a damage control assistant, uh -huh. and he was deployed in the Tonkin Gulf off the coast of Vietnam. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, he was, he was like, he didn't see like any, like, he wasn't in major conflicts, but he saw like, like battles at a distance. Well, that's where the, the thing started, you know, the Gulf of Tonkin. I mean, that's where yeah. it started. Yeah. So, um, he also, um, is, was, a uh, he graduated from the University of Rhode Island in 1975, um, with a PhD in biological oceanography. Yes. Yeah, and he worked as a aquatic ecologist at a company called Normando and Associates from okay. 1972 to 1985. Wow. And in addition to that experience, he also worked as a technical writer um, at a dig digital equipment corporation from 1985 okay. and to 2000. And okay. then he's also taught at some local universities um, in my area he lives in the same town as me so he's worked at um southern new hampshire university um as teaching environmental science and he also taught technical writing at um great bay community college which was the school that i went to for a year really and so yeah so he's done that and then um really like his big struggle that he's overcome in his life was um during easter weekend of 2007 um, my grandmother had to rush him to the emergency room because he had severe abdominal pain. Okay. And that Sunday he had to have emergency surgery because he was diagnosed with stage two colon cancer. Right. So it was like really stressful for them at that point in our lives. I'm um, sure. So, um, he undergoed six months of chemotherapy and by the time, um, my aunt, um, got married, he was able to dance with her at her wedding. And that really? was, wow. yeah. So he was able to re fully recover and, um, he's fully recovered now. Like he's, um, well, and that's yeah. long enough in the past that it's like, yeah. it's really done. It's stuff for yeah. work. Yeah. So that's sort of what I wanted to share about his life. And he's definitely, he's on Facebook. He's been involved in my project for the last few months and he just had a, had an interesting life experience that I thought would be really um, impactful Amazing. for people to yes, hear. Yes, I love that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. 
The once again and always awesome Julia Savage, once again, choosing hope. DaleWileyShow.com